Welcome back to another episode of Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Colin Connolly, Media Relations Manager here with the Iowa Cubs. If you're new to the podcast, Unwritten Rules is a behind-the-scenes look at the people and activities that go on here at Principal Park. For all past, present, and future episodes of Unwritten Rules, check us out online at iowacubs.com, Spotify, as well as Apple and Google Podcasts. Our guest today is the Iowa Cubs official scorer and BAM slash datacast stringer, James Hilchin. James, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Of course. As I mentioned, um, a lot of this podcast takes a look at the behind the scenes here at Principal Park and in minor league baseball. I'm sure not a lot of fans that come uh, to watch a game know exactly what you have to do and what your game day experience looks like. Uh, take us through a little bit of what your typical game day looks like um, from the time you show up, what you have to do to prep for the game, and then going throughout the game and even after it when you're uh, official scorer. Well, as official scorer, uh, basically my duties before the game are to verify that the lineups we receive from you are correct. Um, and that's really it. I mean, uh, help with the PA if they need to know who the umpires are, if the umpires aren't listed, or pronunciations, things of that nature. Um, that's really it for pregame for official scoring. Um, the bulk of the duties obviously begin with the first pitch. Yeah, so uh, the lineup can always change too. That's never uh, the, we set the lineup and the it's lineup good to go. is, is occasionally a surprise, which is always fun and chaos in the Sioux, But we get through it. Yeah, you never know what's going to happen. So um, t- to go along, like I said, you do the official scoring as well as um, the Bam and Data Cash stringers. So I know for me as a baseball fan, if I can't watch a game live or stream it, um, I try to view the game cast view on an app on my phone, um, and I live and die by the blue in play out or in play and you just don't know what happens uh, the dots coming on your screen refreshing madly to see what's trying to go on in the game um so being the person that is inputting that blue dot on the other side of it what goes into that so pre-game for that you get the lineups uh when you get here you upload everything into the software the people in new york for mlb approve the rosters make sure everybody's on there make sure everybody's active in their rosters and uh Again, once the once the upload is done and the rosters are approved, you're good to go until the first pitch. So now that now the fans kind of know what what it is that you do during the game, um, we'll kind of go back to the beginning and what originally got you into being an official scorer. Um, well, always been a baseball fan my entire life. Um, what actually happened is I used to live in Albuquerque. Um, my buddy Marty and I, Marty was a season ticket holder with the Albuquerque Isotopes and I'd go hang out with him at games every once in a while. And a buddy of his, Chris Shepard, who's now the, uh, game day operations fellow like Justin here in Iowa, uh, came down one time and said to me, Hey, Marty says, you know, a lot about baseball. We need an official score pronto. Can you help us? (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess next thing I know I'm up in the press box and being an official scorer in a baseball game. <laughs> Had you scored games leading up to that or just casually? Or? In my head, maybe, but, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, other than agreeing or disagreeing with Harry Carey and Steve Stone on TV, no, that was it. Nice. Um, so I showed up. They told me to keep coming back, and that was at some point in 2008. So here I am. Nice. So, yeah, I was going to say how long you've been doing that, but since 2008, and then started in Albuquerque and just came straight here, right? Is that the the two kind of places that you've mainly done it? Yeah. So I did that through 2012 in Albuquerque, and we moved up to Des Moines. And I had known Randy and Dean from them coming down with the, with the team to do the broadcasts. And when I got here, I 
talk to Randy, and he said we'd love to have you. So outside of uh, our lost 2020 season, I've been here ever since. Nice. I know uh, in this scorer's room there's the infamous bar in the middle of the room that doesn't allow a BAM or official scorer to see it at some times. Um, have there been any other good setups, bad setups, any weird press box uh, that you've been in or had to score a game in? No, actually, so – I've been to quite a few press boxes, and I believe the bar is a minor league requirement <laughs> that you have to have, so either the official scorer and or the stringer cannot see the entire game without getting a crooked neck. You don't really need to see the game, though, right? That's not too important no, when you no, have to official all. score. Not at all. Again, I'm Colin Connolly, joined here by James Hilchin, our official scorer with the Iowa Cubs, and you're listening to Unwritten Rules, an Iowa Cubs podcast. Um, so no matter how many games you score, how many years you do this, um, I know your favorite time in a game is when there is a difficult hit or error decision. Sure. Um, what are some of those difficult decisions, and what are you looking at in those moments to make a decision? I know we have the replay screen running, but what, what kind of goes into that? So the replay screen is awesome uh, because typically things happen pretty fast. Um you know, I guess it's the old adage, could have made the play versus should have made the play. Um, but, you know, every call is has some subjectivity to it. Same thing with a wild pitch and a pass ball, although that's a little more straightforward. But uh, you could, you know, you could have 50 official scores and 25 see it one way, 25 see it the other. Yeah. So um, I think... It's kind of like an umpire, right? Every umpire calls balls and strikes, but every strike zone is a little bit different. So I think for an official score, everybody might call things a little bit differently. And as that relates to, obviously, the people we interact with being the managers, um, they're not always going to agree with you. Um, But I think they understand everybody calls things just a little bit differently. And I think... What they're looking for more so is consistency. If you make a call in game one, you make that same call in game 150 or however many it is we play in the season now. Yeah, you kind of mentioned it there, but um, another part people might not know about is after the game when that hit or error was decided in the third inning and a run did or didn't score because of it, and one side is mad because that raised their pitcher's ERA or lowered their batter's batting average from the one hit. The managers can kind of question those calls and have you take another look at it. Kind of what's, what's the stories you have on that end or what's that process look like when after the game you think you're done and then we get a call from a manager asking to take a look at something? So, I mean, the process is different now than it used to be. Um, back in Albuquerque, you could have direct communication with the manager they could call up to the press box and speak to you directly now as you know everything goes through the media departments yep. um i'm not sure why that happened but <laughs> something happened along the way to cause that but um you know again it's a give and take and and you know as official scorers we typically were more than willing to look at a play we may not agree with changing it we may see it and like it but we may see it and say you know what the manager is right revisit it and potentially change it there's no rhyme or reason to you know trying to make somebody happy uh when i i will tell you when i started this back when there was a pacific coast league still yeah. uh the president branch ricky came up to me i was in my second or third game really nice guy 
And he was talking to me about official scoring, and he said something you need to realize is you do not work for the Albuquerque Isotopes. You do not work for the visiting team. You work for the PCL. So your job is not to adjust statistics or anything of the nature. Call it as you see it. And there is an appeals process in order to us if people think they are, you know, in the if they're in the right and you're in the wrong. So he said, call it like you see it, and we won't ask you for anything else. And while there was a PCL, I found that largely to be the case. Aside from making those difficult decisions, what are just some crazy plays you've seen while scoring a game? You've been doing this for almost 15 years. Anytime you have to go through the rule book to check on something and make sure, what is, what is the ruling on that? Or anytime you have to do that? There have been times, and I can't really come up with anything specific. Um, I can tell you a crazy play that I didn't see. <laughs> okay. uh, so in, in, in Iowa, the official score is in a enclosed room with the data caster and the video board operator. In Albuquerque, the press box where the official score sat was much longer. You had the media out there. You had the data caster, the media relations manager, whoever else. And behind it on the back wall was a Coke machine and a open counter where uh, the cook would bring up chafing dishes full of food for the pregame meal. Albuquerque was playing either Oklahoma City or Round Rock. I cannot remember which team it was, but Bobby Jones is the manager. Bobby Jones, a very nice guy, but his language was always a little gruff. <laughs> Albuquerque's batting. I know Jamie Hoffman was up to the plate. I cannot tell you who the third baseman was for the visiting team. The pitcher goes into the windup, and out of the corner of my eye, I see this flame shoot up out of the back. And I turn around and look, and one of the chafing dishes is on fire. <laughs> So as I'm looking, and everybody else is looking after my exclamation of something weird is happening here, I hear the crack of the bat, but my head does not turn around to see what happened because I'm wondering if we're going to get out of this thing alive or not. And I happen to look back at the field finally, and Hoffman is running past first base. The ball is sitting in front of the third baseman who just walks up to it and picks it up. So in my mind... I replay it as it's a swinging bunt. I asked anybody else in the room if they had seen it. Everybody said they were looking at the same thing I was. Right. So I called it a hit and figured I'd look at it later. Of course, when you figure you're going to look at it later, all sorts of things happen afterwards. And the next inning, 20 hits, 18 different pitchers, double switches, all sorts of other stuff. So I never... Safe to say you didn't get the chance to look at it. I totally forgot that I was going to look at it. And I figured at the end of the game, well, he's going to ask. If he asks, I'll look at it. And so our media guy gets back up there, and he said, you're good to go. No questions. And I said, really? And he said, well, Bobby did mention that he thought that was a terrible call, but you're not going to change it anyway, so whatever. And it was their getaway day. Right. So I didn't think anything of it. I went home and come in for the game the next day with a brand new team. And I'm like, you know, I want to see that play just for my own interest. And I go over to Chris and he brings it up. And this would have been an error in Little League. <laughs> I mean, it was a slow ground ball right to him. It hit him in the glove and he just didn't pick it up. He just looked at it. So um, that was the call that I never saw that I made, which was kind of fun. But you survived the fire. 
So I did good. survive the fire. Yeah, it went right out. One of the one of the guys that worked there put the lid on, and we were good to go. Had the windows open, got the smoke out, and uh, no fire. Anything it was That's awesome. Good. Yeah, That's it was good. great. Yeah, I know. There's times I'm up here uh, trying to run the DAC stats, and there's a relay coming in, and there's maybe a rundown between second and third or something, and all of a sudden you just start spouting out the positional numbers of nine, six, five, yeah. four, five. And I don't even think about it until I have to enter the play on DAX stats. And I'm like, what just happened? And you've already got it all written down. So there's just definitely a, a different mindset there for, for scoring the game. It's something to hear. I know that people aren't up here during the game. But uh, prior to Colin being here, we had uh, Shelby Cravens was our media person. And she would do the same thing. So typically me and the datacaster and Shelby would all be screaming out the numbers together. So I'm sure that was quite a sight. Or but when someone's stealing, it's, did, was it a strike? Or yeah. Like, did yeah, he swing? Exactly. Or, we never know what happened. Um, when you go to the game as a fan with your family or, or by yourself, um, do you find yourself doing those things and scoring it from the stands and saying the different numbers? Or can you kind of relax and take a different side of it and just take everything of a baseball game in? No, I can't. I can't just watch a baseball game anymore. Yeah. I, I've tried. The last time I actually watched a game without thinking about what I would be doing was the World Series in 2016 because I've been a Cubs fan my whole life and I was far too nervous to pay attention to what the scoring on a play was. I was just hoping they would pull that out. Just want to make sure the Cubs were ahead. Especially in game seven. I was just trying to concentrate on still breathing. Yeah, (laughs) that was a major focus for for most of us. Yes, it was. So uh, yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Um, on that note, we head into our final segment of the podcast here. Remember, for all past, present, and future episodes of Unwritten Rules, check us out online at iowacubs.com, Spotify, as well as Apple and Google Podcasts. Um, speaking of traveling to different games and taking in different stadiums as a fan, um, you also work for Stadium Journey a little bit. Talk about what you do for them. So Stadium Journey is a website that was started eh, about 12-ish years ago by uh, Paul Sweeney, was the founder of Stadium Journey. And about five or six years ago, Paul just had other obligations come up that he had to take care of. So he handed the website off to me and the three other folks, and uh, we've been running it ever since. And what Stadium Journey is, is it's a website where we have writers around the country and the world, and we go to stadiums of all sports and review them. And we do not review the on-field action. You can you know, see that in your local newspaper or highlights at night or whatever. We Airs or hits at third base. We don't, we don't worry that. about yeah, that. Yeah, I don't care about that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it's, you know, things to do around the ballpark before and after the game or the best places to sit or what you can expect from concessions. Are there any, you know, neat featured items that they have that other places may not? So It's more of a off-field review of the game experience. Um, So we've got, we just went over 2,600 different stadiums. We're in about 21 countries, I believe, we have reviews of. That's awesome. So, uh, again, that's stadiumjourney.com. I'll give a shameless plug on that. (laughs) Um, And we will be having a brand-new slick website rolling out here sometime this spring or summer. So Nice. So of those um, stadiums that you've gone to or parks or items on the menu, what, what kind of stands out? What, what was the cool um, venue or something unique about a certain park that stands out and all the ones that you've been to? So I will say the one that surprised me the most was uh, 
Fort Wayne is a single-A ballpark, but it's really a major league ballpark. I mean, it's got everything you could ever want. Uh, great sight lines. The, the staff has been awesome there every time I've been there. The food's good. Um, that was not what I expected in a single-A ballpark. South Bend's team store, I mean, everybody has a team store, but South Bend's is actually an old Jewish synagogue wow. that was moved onto the property. So when you go and you get your shirts or your mugs or whatever you're going to buy, you can see all sorts of old paintings on the wall. And uh, it's a pretty unique experience in South Bend. Moving up, uh, I got to say Wrigley Field, of course, or yeah. I'd be, you know, cast out of my fraternity of Cubs fans because uh, it is awesome. But I've got to say I'm a big fan of Target Field okay. where the Twins play and uh, big fan of Coors Field right up the street from Albuquerque. So I've been there many times as well. Yep. So Now you've gotten to be in the press box at Coors. Seen, I have. Seen the, seen I the other have, side yes. I got the tour when I uh, went and saw Shelby, so that was a lot of fun. Nice. Any parks or stadiums or anything on the bucket list for going to and checking out? Uh, I want to definitely see Fenway. I haven't been there yet, okay. but, you know, Fenway is a different animal, kind of like Wrigley. Yeah. Um, outside of that, you know, yeah, I'd like to see them all, obviously, but yeah. um, that one stands out as one that I haven't seen that I really want to get to. All right, so throw you on the spot here for the last last couple minutes, but uh, I guess being in Principal Park, scoring the Iowa Cubs games, any favorite memories or anything that stands out here specifically? It doesn't have to be a crazy play. It could be a ball hit super far or anything that stands out to you at, at Principal Park here. Well, sure. Uh, Dan Vogelbach hit a ball that hit the, I believe it was one of the P's in the Principal Park sign over the video <laughs> board. Um that was pretty cool. That thing. It's, it's a decently far shot. I'm glad it hit the P or it might still be going because he <laughs> absolutely killed that ball. Um, you know, Javi Baez BP was always fun to watch. Yep. I can't really think of anything specific other than the distance of some home runs. I can't recall any really super quirky plays on the field or anything. No great Marty PV stories that you can say on a podcast? No. Um <laughs> No, Marty's been great. Yeah. I mean, his questions have been legit. So I, <laughs> you know. And you just explained to him there's a fire and then everything's okay. I, I have not used the fire excuse here. <laughs> Fortunately, we'll there's not that this year. been one breaking out. I will tell you an interesting story about determining whether a ball is a hit or an error and how complicated that can sometimes be. Yeah. There was a game in Albuquerque that I was datacaster for. Datacaster sits right next to the official score. So after the game... The official scorer had made a call. I couldn't tell you what the call was. I couldn't tell you what the play was. But he answers the phone, and it's Lorenzo Bundy on the other line. Lorenzo Bundy is one of the nicest human beings on the planet. And he put the official scorer put him on speaker because he was trying to write some stuff down. And you could hear all the screaming in the background and, you know, every word in the book. And Mr. Bundy was... Yeah, I need you to explain that call on this play. And the official scorer, thinking he wants him to look at it, says, do you want me to look at it? No, I just need you to tell me why you called it what you did. Well, do you want me to look? He said, no, I need you to tell me why you called it. My pitching coach and my hitting coach are about to kill each other. <laughs> so I need to give them a reason why you called it what you did. So there you go. There's a, an example of sometimes... 
even in their own locker room, can't decide exactly what the call should be. Yeah, <laughs> that's there's definitely an interesting dynamic to it. I know, like I said earlier, there's that hitters, the hitting coach wants it to be a hit for the batter's average. The pitching coach wants it to be an error so their ERA or batting average against is down, even if it means a worse fielding percentage for their uh, third baseman. They want it to be an error. And as much as you try to avoid that, it enters your mind. I mean, we had a guy here four or five years ago, and he had just gotten called up from double-A, came into the game, and Telly was nervous. He walked the first two guys. Then he got an out. Then he walked another guy to load the bases and got a force out. So the bases were loaded with two outs. And the next batter hits a ground ball at shortstop. And the ball hugs the ground all the way, and then right in front of the shortstop hits something and goes like six feet in the air. And so the shortstop has no chance, and it's clearly a hit. It was not the fault of the shortstop that he couldn't field that. And, of course, after that, he gives up a double, walks some more guys. And, he, you know, he should have been out of the inning had the ball not hit the rock or whatever. But he ends up giving up like nine or ten runs in his debut and makes it through two-thirds of an inning. So <laughs> Never making it to AAA again. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, his ERA is now six million or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. really, the guy should have been out of the inning. And so you feel bad for him, but you can't... Let that affect it. Penalize the, penalize the shortstop for it. I guess the only other... Oh, the other strange thing I can think of here is a player, actually, a pitcher, came up stairs one day which violates every rule there is but I rode up in the elevator with him when we got up here he asked me where the official score was and I said you're looking at him (laughs) he said well you need to look at a play from last night and he said I'm going for pitcher of the year minor league pitcher of the year and you called a hit on this ball and it wasn't and then he gave up like three runs after and I was trying and official scores, they bookmark plays in their head that they're like, this was close, this could be asked about. Yeah. And I was the official score for that game, and I thought there's no, there was nothing even remotely questionable about this. And But I looked, I came in and talked to Justin, and he racked up the play. And the play was the second baseman who was playing up the middle, and the batter hit a flare to right field, and so the second baseman on the dead run tries to make a Willie Mays type catch and he sticks his glove out and the ball barely hits off of his glove. I mean, should have had it to call that an error would be overturning a hundred years of (laughs) what baseball has become. And so I looked at it and I'm like, yeah, this is a waste of complete waste of time. Um, And what struck me was not that he asked, but that number one, what a teammate to throw your second baseman under the bus like that. And number two, I looked at his stats after that, and this fellow was not going to (laughs) win. I was going to ask, did he win win the award? He had like a three ERA in double A, which was great, but before he threw this game, it was like six up here. So I'm thinking that wasn't going to happen for him, even if I had. The second baseman wasn't the reason that he didn't earn that award. Yeah. Well, James, I really appreciate you joining us today, and we look forward to all of the hit air decisions that the season uh, may may bring up here. Um, that's it for today's episode of Unwritten Rules and Iowa Cubs podcast. Remember to listen to all episodes of Unwritten Rules, seasons one and two on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, as well as Amazon Music, or check them out online at iowacubs.com. For James Hilchin, I'm Colin Connolly. Thanks for tuning in.